<laughs> well, I will say greetings. Uh, it is great to be back at Grace Bible Church. Uh, it's been two years since our last little visit here. A tremendous amount has taken place during that time. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to share a little bit, if I could say so, about the first 30 years of our ministry over in Papua New Guinea, and it's, as, as I come here, I cannot help but reminisce. Before this building existed, uh, I was a member of Grace Bible Church. We met over in Fellowship Hall, and after graduating from high school here, uh, went down to Biola University, and with six weeks of college left, my path came across the path of a beautiful little Hawaiian girl. She became my best friend. Uh, she became my wife. And she has literally followed me around the world over the course of the last 30 years. But I'm going to allow nobody to come up and just uh, bring some greetings before I begin sharing. I think it's 39 years, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting, baby? <laughs> And Valentine's is in a few days. <laughs> um, greetings. I am so lucky because I always get to, you know how they have the big concerts and they have the, you know, the main attraction. And I have to always get to do the, you know, the opening for <laughs> my sweet husband. So, so it's a privilege for me to be here. Um, thank you. Thank you for, um, like, we're here and we're able to be with you, and thank you for giving us this opportunity to share. And I just want to say um, thank you to the Lord for leading Steve and the, the music team, worship team, to choose all of those songs because um, I hope you were, I think the overheads are great because you can really see them really clearly. And all of those words were just powerful. And every, every song Starting out with, your grace is enough. That's all about, that's it. And just thanking God for his salvation. And I just thought, even as the next song kept going and kept going, I just thought to myself, wow. You know how God just kind of brings it all together. And um, so I know that your hearts have already been blessed. And for that, I just um, give God all the praise. Um, I think it's really... Um, pretty cool because our little church in Malamanda, our new tribe there, um, the people love to pray. They love to pray. So whenever we have meetings, you know, it's not uncommon to have like at least six people pray. And when they pray, they pray really long. But um, the neat thing about what the, how they pray is, hi, Dawn, I was looking for you. <laughs> Um, the neat way that they pray is that they always just give great praise to God, the creator. And then they thank God for their salvation. And they don't really ask God for anything. And I think that this morning, um, just even listening to all of that, just the thanks. And I hope that even if you don't get anything from what we shared this morning from my husband, if you can get that then your heart will be so blessed, so blessed. Um, I believe it was in 1973 that I first got up here because I married Bob, and um, Don and Vicki were good friends, and Debbie and <laughs> Diane, they were little kids, and um, 
was in 1993, and I remember after we got married, and they had this cool little shower for Bob, and I think it was at Manchurians, and um, just such a blessing to be a part of this, this body here, this family. And I remember them giving me the opportunity to share. And um, I shared that verse, my favorite verse. And I hope you, I think some of you remember what it was. When Jesus said to go, he said, and lo, I will be with you always. And I just wanted to tell you that um, that was in 1973. And this is 19, uh, it's 2012. And God is still with us always. And that verse is just such a promise to me. And I think it's been just in the last few years, or a little longer, too. Um, we have two daughters. And, yes, we have two, um, seven grandkids. And um, I realized that that verse wasn't just for me. It wasn't God saying, Nobi, lo, I am with you always. I am going to be with you always. But I realized that what God was saying to me is that I am with you and everything that concerns you. I will be with them always. And going to the field, um, that was just a step of faith and a step of obedience to God. And God just continues to remind us that he's going to take care of our kids and our grandkids. And um, that is such a neat promise. Because before I went to the field, we had a, quite a few people wondering if this was really the right way, the right place to raise your children. But in faith and in obedience to God, we did that, and God was so faithful. And I just want to thank you all for your prayers for us and for our daughters and their families. Every prayer that you have offered for us, even if it's just a thought or a whisper, Long or short, God took those prayers, and he answered them. And I just want to thank you all personally for all of the prayers. And I'm sure that there were times where probably God brought us to mind, and you prayed. And it was probably in those times that we probably needed it the most. Because you realize when we're in Papua New Guinea, it's day here, and it's night there. And I know that every time you go to bed, everyone always prays before you go to bed. And um, there were many, many times where we were in some really difficult um, situations. And you just, we just knew that our friends, God's people, were praying for us. So I just want to say thank you. Um, when we went to the tribe um, in 1977, I did this in my 20s. So two years ago, when we came and told you that we were going to actually go back to the tribe, um, in our 50s, <laughs> I'm 59, um, you know, it was really weird. I never even thought about it. Because when God said, this is what I want you to do, it was just so clear. Okay, I can do that. And I think it was just everybody else, since we told people that this is where God wants us to go, that kind of threw that number in our face. It's just like, are you sure? And I, <laughs> I am so thankful that God was, was so faithful to us. And um, so we went to Papua New Guinea. And I have to really be honest. Um, I really love living in the jungle. Okay? I really do. But I have to be honest and say that it's not always easy. It was easier when I was younger. Thankfully, it's not as hot. 
And um, just really quickly, I have to tell you this one story. Um, is that okay, honey? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, <laughs> Would it make a difference? <laughs> okay. Um, by the way, I got really sick, and I, I guess somebody told me I almost died. But anyways, God was just so gracious. And um, so I got, I was in the hospital in Thailand, and I had this terrible case of malaria, and it went into my lungs, and... Yada, yada, yada. So they had to treat me for malaria. Well, I haven't had malaria medicine for like 20 years because we decided that we would not take that and we would just kind of try to be really careful, you know, repellent and that kind of thing. So anyways, I got over that. And so I go back to Papua New Guinea and um, I get this like horrible sores all over my head, like my forehead. And they're not like empantigo or anything. I'm not going to gross you out. But they're just like really bad oozing sores. And then they start to get bigger, like raised up on your forehead. And so I'm emailing our doctor there, um, our mission doctor. And I'm just like, okay, um, I'm not really sure what's going on. But none of the you know, antifungal creams are really helping. So he says, okay, well, email, email me this a picture. And so I do. And in the meantime, it, it just starts going all over my arm. And then it goes into my head, and I have these oozing sores all over my head, all over my arms. Okay, long story short, I have this, like, weird disease. Like, one in 1,000 people get this reaction to malaria medicine that I haven't had for so long, right? Okay, so I talked to the doctor, and I'm like, okay, well, Dr. Morton... uh, Okay, this is great. He gives, sends me this steroid creams and washes. And he says, when well, you can't use it a lot, but just a little bit, and it's supposed to clear up. I'm like, okay, well, when is it going to clear up? He says, well, sometimes it takes a little while. Well, what's a little while? Uh, 10 years. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, now what aggravates it? He says, the heat. <laughs> and seriously, people... I was so miserable, literally miserable. And it was like Satan was saying, okay, you have a good reason to go home. <laughs> but the medicine started clearing up. And, and um, thankfully, we don't live, our pl- the place that we live in right now isn't as hot. But it still gets pretty warm. But I almost think that this is, like, it's cleared up, thankfully. When you look at me, you won't be grossed out because it's kind of cleared up because I've been in America for several months now. And so the heat, you don't, it's not hot here. You people don't know what hot is. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, it's clearing up. But I just want to ask you to pray for me because um, it's going to take us a little while to finish what we need to do. And um, not even a, a horrible skin disease is going to keep me from doing what I know that God wants us to do. And our people need God's word. The Basodios, they had, um, Bob was able to finish the translation for the Basodios they have in the New Testament. But our people, um, Malamanans don't have much of the word, and they need God's word. And I just want all of you to hold up your Bibles if you have them. Um, this is a whole Bible, Right? Okay, well, let's open it up. Um, Forget the Old Testament. Just go to the New Testament. Our people don't have the Old Testament. And unfortunately, 
they probably won't be able to get that. Portions of the Old Testament, yes, but not. They won't have the Old Testament. Okay, let's go to the New Testament. Are you there? And then the first book in the New Testament is Matthew, right? Okay, forget Matthew. Our people don't have Matthew. Um, Mark? Okay, good. Yay. They have Mark. Luke? No, they don't have Luke. They don't have John. They have Acts. And um, they just got Romans. Um, Bob, right before he left, he translated 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. They don't have the rest. And just think about it. When you guys read your word, you have the whole Bible, and you don't even have just one version. I know every one of you have the Bible in all languages. And our people are dying for God's word because they know that this is what gives them life. This is what's going to help them grow. And so this is why we're doing it. And yes, it's worth it. It's worth it for me to have sores all over my body. It's okay because the people are going to get the translation. So please pray. Please pray for us that we can stay strong and healthy. Um, We don't have children, so we can work a little longer at nights. And um, we hope to get it done in three or four years. But that's not without a lot of, you know, we need to stay strong. We need to stay healthy. But this is God's work, you know. And he has kept us. He's been so faithful, so faithful to us. Um, I just want to share one last thing, too. Um, The last thing, Bob's mother, um, some of you know her, Belma Kennel, passed away several years ago. But in the hospital, she um, was kind of just out of it. And um, she came to, and I think these are probably the last words that she said to us. She sat up in her bed, and she said, Jesus came to save sinners. And I was just kind of reading on the side of her bed, and I just looked at Mom, and I said, that's right, Mom. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we need to do what we do. And um, that's why we go to places far from here. That's why I live in the jungle right now. Because we have the most wonderful message. Jesus came to save sinners. And God is doing an amazing work. And again, just thank you so much for your prayers, for your love. And um, we just really appreciate you all. Thanks. I know this is, I love this church. Um, Okay, you know what? I don't, like, I don't dress like this. In three weeks, I I wear flip-flops and really cool tops. So someone said, oh, oh my goodness, your scarf is kind of wrong, okay? I don't know how to wear scarves. Ever since I came home, everybody has scarves, so somebody gave me a scarf and something. So any of you ladies want to teach me how to tie my scarf, please wait for me after the service. I am all... All yours. (laughs) Okay, I think right now if we've got the presentation ready, we'll go ahead and see this and then we'll get into the message.
Thank you for allowing us the privilege of just sharing a little bit of what God has been doing in Papua New Guinea. Sorry, I get a little emotional when I see that. Those people are some of our dearest friends. We've seen God do some incredible things in their lives. But I want to thank you, Grace Bible Church, for the part that you have had in our ministry. Uh, 19... 77, Nobi and I were getting ready to go to Papua New Guinea. You bought us our first generator, an Onan 3.5 kVA. It ran for years, let me tell you. Um, something else that you helped us buy, a lot of you people won't recognize this item, it's called a typewriter. You see them in museums today, but you bought us a good one, and it was what we began the translation with there in Papua New Guinea. When we came back on our first furlough, a gentleman in this congregation bought us a Zenith Z89 computer. I don't know if you remember those. That was another, it's, it's an oldie, let me tell you. But it, it was the third computer on the field. We took it over there. And I remember our field leaders looked at us and said, you know what? This fad is going to end someday. <laughs> someday you missionaries will grow up and you young kids won't want to play games. You'll get down to doing work. You cannot go to the field without a computer these days. But I want to thank you for that. Our airstrip. You were involved in our airstrip in the New Testament and seeing the Besodios receive the Word of God. But as my wife said... The greatest contribution that you made to the Bisodio work and to the Malamanda work was your prayers. Because as my wife stated, God definitely heard and he answered. Uh, the Bisodio nation is made up of approximately 600 people. Of those 600 people, about 95% of them are believers in Jesus Christ. They've had the New Testament since 1991. Whenever they do a literacy, an outreach, whenever they go and share the gospel in a new area, the first thing they do is they send literacy teachers in and they teach the people to read and write. Uh, Nobi and I had, had been in the, in the Bisodio tribe for a number of years. We left for 10 years because of her health to, uh, to go and, and work up in leadership up at our mission headquarters. 
We returned for three years before we left Papua New Guinea, returned for three years to do more discipleship down in, in the Bisorio Nation uh, for, with our believers down there. And I remember a gentleman named Tsuduoma um, came walking in. You saw his picture. Tsuduoma came walking into my house, knocked at the door, and he, and he said, Bob, he said, uh, he said, Here, here's all the money I've got. He, he took his little coin purse and he, and he opened it up and, and he said, how many New Testaments can I buy with this money? And I said, Tsuduma, what's up? And he says, well, I was up in the hills there where my in-laws live. He said, I went up there and I taught them. He said, they became believers in Jesus Christ. He said, so, so then I went up there and I taught them literacy. And he's not a literacy teacher. But he carried all the materials up there. I, I went up there at a later time and, and I had some of them write for me. All of their S's were capitals. Why? Because his name starts with an S and he writes capitals. So that's the only way he wrote S's. And all of them, their, their S's are capitals. But it was so exciting, you guys. And, and he said, Bob, how many New Testaments can I buy? And what he and I said, put your money away. I'll I'll give you the New Testaments. And he turned around, hiked them, the three days walk away to where he had to where he had brought these people to Christ, came back down, and he said, Bob, I want you to disciple me. I said, No, Sudoma, I would like you to disciple me. And it was, it's just a, a tremendous, tremendous privilege living with these people. Uh, the best seller, the best seller in Bisodio land for over 20 years and running is the Bisodio New Testament. <laughs> Actually, the only book in Bisodio is the New Testament. Uh, but let me tell you, they live in that book. They study it. They read it. Uh, they read it in the morning. They read it at night. They love the Word of God. It, it was interesting. I, I wish you all could have been here last uh, Wednesday, but we had a little get-together with, with some of the folks from the church here, and Steve asked me a question. He said, Bob, why is it that there's been such a response? Why ha has the response been so positive they're in Bisorio land. Why, why are there so many believers? And, and I'd like you to turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 4. And I'm going to give the answer. I didn't give a real good answer the other night. But I'm going to give the answer to that right now. And, and the story has to do with Peter and John. As you know, they were going to prayer meeting. Uh, they were going to go into the temple to pray. And there was a lame man, he had been lame from birth. And he cries out to Peter and John, Hey, do you have any money? Do you have any money that you can give me? And Peter and John looked at him and they says, No, we don't. I don't have any gold. But what I have, I am going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And, and Peter took him by his hand. The man leapt up to his feet. And it says that he went away leaping and praising God. Peter and John are cast into prison. They stand before the Sanhedrin. And I would like to read at verse 9, please. Excuse me, verse 13. And it says, The members of the accounts of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men 
with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And then if we can go on down to uh, verse, nine, or verse 18. So they called the apostles back in, commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Do you know why 95% of the Besodio nation is believers in Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, my friends, it's because we've got some men down there that have spent time in the Word. They've spent time getting to know their Savior. And consequently, as a result, they cannot stop. They can't help themselves. Tsudoma, uh, uh, again, I, I wish he were here speaking to you instead of Bob Kennel. I, I really do. Tremendous, tremendous man of God. Back in 2006, there was one pocket of Besorios, and you saw the one gentleman, the bushiest one, uh, wearing nothing but grass. I, I don't know if you remember him from the, from the little video that you saw. Uh, it's where this gentleman lived, and, and those people up there have been in opposition to the gospel for years. At one time, they came to us, and they were asking us to send them a missionary, and the Besorios had just come to Christ. We, we didn't have someone that we could send. We couldn't send a Besorio up there. We hadn't discipled them yet. And this gentleman, his name is Columbi. Uh, he came down and he pled with us to send him someone. He actually brought a bunch of sticks and he threw those down in front of us. And he called out different names with every stick he threw down. And then he said, each stick represents a person who is going to die and as you say the place fire, they're going to go to the place fire unless you come and you tell us the truth. Uh, a couple of years went by and Columbi came down again. And he said, you know what? You don't have to come anymore. Because our God has appeared to us in the sky. Bright light came down and an individual named Deniah told us how to live. He told us, don't listen to the lies of the white man. Do not listen to their talk. If you do, I will destroy you with a flood. And for years, they would not come. Uh, Columbi's children, he's got one named Dina and another named Deniah after this being that came down and appeared to them out of the sky. Gave them a new language, told them how to live in opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2006, that was the only pocket in Besodio land that had not been reached with the gospel. And Tudoma says, guys, we've got to go up there. We've got to go and we've got to share with them. So he sent someone ahead of them to tell the people that he was coming, that he was going to start teaching. This guy goes up there and they says, no. Do not come. We will not listen to your message. We've got our own beliefs. We've got our own God. And, and plus, even if you would come, 
There's not enough food to feed the people that would come. So he said, don't come. This guy turns around and he heads back down. Tsutuama meets him on the way up there. He told him what happened and he says, no, no. The Great Commission says to go. We are going to go and we're going to share with them. And he walked into the village. Why? Because if we can read again verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Tsudoma walked into the little village of Wilifa and he got the leaders together there and he said, I'm going to build a house right here. And starting tomorrow, I'm going to start teaching you. If you choose not to listen, that's up to you. But I'm going to start teaching. And you know what happened? Several other little houses appeared around there. At uh, the end of 2006, I had, uh, uh, I'm, I'm jumping in some of these things for the sake of time because we've got to fly. But uh, just to let you know, my wife and I in the year 2000 left Papua New Guinea. We had an itinerant ministry with New Tribes Mission traveling throughout Asia. But every year I would have the opportunity to go back to New Guinea. And when we would go back, I would go and visit Bisodio. We'd fly into Malamanda, where we live now, and I'd hike down. We flew in the end of 2006, and Tsuduama met me at the plane. And he said, Bob, I hope you're ready to hike, because we're going on a long three days hike over to Willipa. And I said, hey, man, if that's where we're going, great. I did not realize where Willifa was. He says three days. I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. It was not cool, my friends. It was up and down and up and down. And you saw that river that we went along. There's no trails, you guys. It's just you go where they lead you. And where they led me, I would follow. But uh, it it was hard. I'm, I'm serious. It was hard. As we started off, Tsuduama is limping. And I said, man, what's going on? And he says, well, I've, I, I've got a boil, and boy, it's painful. I said, Tsuduama, are you going to make it? Do you know what he said? He said, Bob, if this was for money, I would not go. You couldn't pay me enough money to go. But he said, they are going to hear the gospel for the first time this next Friday. We've got to go. Isn't that incredible? The passion that these men have, first of all, for the Lord Jesus Christ. The passion they have for the person of Christ. The passion that they have for sharing the gospel. We've got to go. I want to ask you, is that where your heart is today? Do we, as a church, do we have that same passion? The people that we bump into, uh, is our hearts cry, we've got to go, we've got to share with them. You know what happened when I, when I made it there? You guys, I, I just got to tell you, the last day we're hiking over this mountain ridge. We've crossed these mountains. We're, we're coming over. And they said, as we're up on top of this mountain, Bob, there it is. It, it's right over there. That, that's where we're going to, on the other side of the river. To get to the river, you guys, you got to go down. Uh, it was literally 
two hours going straight down the side of this mountain, crossing this river and going up the other side. The thing that I was thinking about going down is what goes down must come up when we're coming back. It was more than two hours going back, I assure you. But we got over there. These men had faithfully been presenting the Word of God. And on that Friday, 17 out of the 21 men and women, not not including the children, 17 of the men and women placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he couldn't help himself. He had to go and share the good news. Okay, transition. Uh, The year 20, well, in, in 2007, God brings surprises into our lives at times. And my surprise came in the way of testicular cancer. Uh, As we were in our itinerant ministry, we were a day away from going to the country of the Philippines, went in for a a normal checkup in the hospital there in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And the doctor found a lump and he said, uh, I want you to check this out. And we got it checked out. And the first thing he said after doing an ultrasound is he said, Mr. Kennel, this is the beginning of a long, sad story. And he said, there's a large lump. There's a tumor. Uh, it, it really does not look good. You, you've had it apparently for, for quite some time, which I had. I, I knew it was there for over a year. That's one of those things you just don't check out because there's not time. Well, he said, beginning of a long, sad story. As it worked out, they took the tumor out, and uh, I've been clearer since then by, by God's grace. But you know what, my friends? As, as a result of that, Nobi and I began praying. Uh, at the time, I was about 58 years of age, and uh, Nobi was 55 at that time. And we said, you know what, there's, there's not a whole lot of years you know, left that we're going to be able to, to carry on with this type of ministry. But one thing we prayed about is we wanted to end strong. And we began asking God, what, what do you have for us? How, how can we best, most effectively finish our, our years of service as ministers of the gospel? And about a year later, we were over in Papua New Guinea. And, and one day, just out of the blue, I went over to my wife and I said, Honey... What would you think about moving into a tribe? And she said, you know what? I think I'd like that. And so we approached uh, team members. One of the men on the team graduated with my daughter from high school. If that gives you any idea, uh, the three of the members are 34. The, the other member of our team is 44. And Nobi and I are now 62 and 58. So uh, we're kind of the grandparents on the team. But we approached them and Knowing our age, we didn't know how they would feel about us joining. And they said, you know what? We would be thrilled. We would be thrilled to have you join. So in the year 2010, a major transition for Bob and Nobi Kennel. Uh, And I want to tell you just a little bit about, about the Malamanda work. The work began back in 1994. In 1994, there were two families and two single men that were working in Malamanda. They learned the language. They learned the culture of the Malamanda people. And in the year 1999, they presented the gospel for the first time there. And there were about 40 people made a profession of faith. 
Throughout the next few years, uh, it was a very dry spell in Malamanda. There were team conflicts, and they ended up losing three couples that were there. The two single men got married. Uh, the Lord provided wives for them. But three families that were working there left. One was, was very legitimate for health reasons. Another was over husband-wife difficulties. And, and they ended up having to leave, go back to the States and receive some help. Another was parent-child issues. And, and if, just to be honest with you, the, the family, the, the children became the central focus of this missionary couple's life to the point of where their ministry became ineffective. And, and even to the point of where when their kid got old enough, they said, you know what, we've got to leave. We, we don't in any way want to be separated from our children and maybe we can live at a base and have an itinerant ministry. That didn't work. And, and I want you guys to know, please, I strongly, strongly believe that raising our children is the responsibility of the parents. Our prayer was that God, please help us to leave them so that when they leave the nest, they will walk with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that our children are serving the Lord today. Uh, so, so very thankful. But you know what? If, if, if I could put it in this way, and, and please don't get me wrong, but I think this family almost went to an extreme to where the family became a hindrance from really serving the Lord. I, I think there can be cautions both ways. There, there's got to be a balance. Um, anyway, uh, as we moved into the tribe, that we found out that for 10 years, the Malamondans were living without the Word of God. They had, over a 10-year period, eight chapters of Mark, and eight chapters of the book of Acts. And could you imagine being for 10 years without the word of God? And, and so what happened? Very naturally, apathy set in in the Malamanda tribe. The people were not interested in meeting together. They were not interested in church. They were not growing. And in the one family, the one missionary family that's there, he's, he's sitting there and he's trying to juggle. He's trying to juggle discipleship. He's trying to dis uh, juggle um, translation. He's trying to do juggle preparing messages for Sunday morning. And, it, and when we moved in again in the year 2010, after we were there for a month, he gets on a plane and he takes off for furlough. And he took me aside and he said, Bob, please pray for me while we're home. Because he said, I want you to know... I am leaving very cynical. I'm very cynical. Because he said, basically what he was saying is I've lost hope. I've lost hope in here. I haven't seen God at work. And, and I'm wondering what we're doing here as a family. And, and as Nobi and I moved in, it was just so evident what these people needed was the word of God. And so, again, uh, our children were gone. They weren't in the, in the house. We were able to study long, hard hours, and we prayed, God, please help us to get this language. 
our neighbor. You saw his house up there in the, uh, in the video as well. Our neighbor is a man named Alene. Alene uh, had an older brother, and the older brother, after he was born, his dad wanted a daughter. And so when the next child came along, the father said, okay, is it a, is it a boy or a girl? And they said, it's, it's a boy. And he said, kill the baby. And they did. Out in the jungle, they smashed it and took its life away. A year later, Alane was born. And the father again said, is it a boy or a girl? They said, it's a boy. The father said, take his life. A woman ran over, scooped him up, ran away and hid him. Wouldn't let the father see him until he became old enough. And then the father said, okay, we will allow him to live. Alane, when I moved into the tribe, was a gift that God gave me. He said, Bob, I will help you learn this language. I will come any time of day or night because you've got to get the language. We've got to get the word of God. And, and my friends, uh, we, we did something new in Malamandaland. We, we got the language, first of all, and then we translated the book of Galatians. Now, in, in Malamanda, you saw the airstrip. On the lower side is where we missionaries are living and uh, where half of the village lives. On the other side of the airstrip, there's another denomination. Another religious group is there. Would you like to hear their teaching? Their teaching is, get baptized, partake of communion, which you've got to pay for that. If you pay us, we'll allow you to take communion. We'll baptize you. We'll sprinkle you at least. We'll give you a new name and you will go to heaven. We'll teach you to speak in tongues even. We'll teach you how to do it. And we'll teach you things about the Spirit of God, nothing about the person of Jesus Christ. So as, as we got the language, we wanted to give them the Word of God, we thought, let's start with Galatians. And instead of the legalism which they're being taught, which the other group is being taught, maybe this would make an impact on their lives. And we said, we're going to do something new. We're going to give you a course. And as we give you this course, we're going to teach you the book of Galatians. It's not going to be just on Sundays. We're going to go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, morning and night. We'll allow you to go get food on the weekends. And we're going to give you a final exam. They said, great. Number one, what's a course? Number two, what's a final exam? We said, well, it's a test you're going to take and then you'll get a certificate. Wow! What's a certificate? Well... You'll find out at the end of this. But, but the thing is, God used it in their lives. The church building filled up. At the end of the course, when they got their certificates, they could tell you where Paul went on his missionary journey. They could tell you when John Mark left and where he went back from. They could tell you about the Judaizers and the legalistic teaching and the neat part is they could tell you about the fruit of the Spirit and the changes that God wanted to make in their lives. 
after we got done with the course, husbands and wives began coming to us and saying, we've been fighting. Can you help us? We became counselors. Nobi and I, uh, we didn't charge for it, but we actually became counselors there in Malamanda, counseling people to come to the place of where their salvation, of where their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was taking on more meaning. Today, uh, things have changed. By God's grace, things have changed. There are 12 to 15 men that we meet with every week. Uh, we, the three men have divided these guys up, and, and we meet with five men. It started off just with men. We said sometimes we're going to get together with the women as well. The women came their first time, and they said, we're not going to quit coming because we want to get in on this as well. So we've got husbands and wives that we've got the privilege right now of discipling every week. Uh, we are working on translation. As Nobi mentioned, First and Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, and First and Second Thessalonians. It's still got to be checked, and we've got a long ways to go. Please be praying that God will con continue to enable us to get this done. My wife at the age of 58, became the first woman to learn the Malamanda language. And now, my friends, there are 18 women that want to meet with her every week. And she, along with the other ladies there now, are discipling the Malamanda women week after week after week. And there are hungry hearts, people that desire to grow in the person of Jesus Christ. There's one problem, there's one major problem, and it's a huge distraction. And this problem is gold. Now you say, how could gold be a problem? Well, some of the people in Malamanda are drawn away, and I mean literally, there's gold. They, they can go down to that river that you saw, and they can get pans and pan for gold, and they could be wealthy people. Some of them are drawn away for months and months and they go down because they want to get the gold. And, and I don't mind. I, I try to encourage them. You guys, this is a gift from God. God has given you this to help supplement your diets and to buy the things that you need. But you know what? It is a gift from God. He also desires that your number one passion is going to be the person of the Lord Jesus Christ but you know what I found out since, and, and, and Nobi and I have the privilege of coming back, uh, long periods of time where we're hidden away out in the jungle. We don't know what's happening. To my shame, I didn't know who the Republican candidates were when I came home. I had no idea that we were, we're not involved in a lot of things. But when I come back, we get kind of a fresh look at what life is like here. But I want to tell you something. It's been kind of scary coming back. It's been, it's been a little bit scary because I've seen Americans and, and, and good church-going Americans, and I don't know where you guys are at, so don't take this too personally, but I've seen a lot of people that are busier than I've ever seen. And as I've seen them, I think about the Malamandans and I just wonder, is our busyness and our focus taking us away 
from the passion that God wants us to have. I received a letter about a month before coming back from the United States, and I was excited. It was, it was from an individual in a church that supports us, and this individual wrote, and he said, Bob, I've, I've got a good job. I'm making good money. But he said, you know what? I, I desire to be involved in discipleship. And he said, I'm, I'm even thinking possibly of changing my present occupation where I'm working with computers, and I'm thinking about maybe becoming a lawyer. And through becoming a lawyer, being able to influence people positively for Jesus Christ. He said, what do you think? He said, because I, I really do enjoy discipleship. And I wrote back, and boy, I mean, it's like casting a line out there and hoping I can reel this guy in. I said, you know what? If, if this is really what you feel God has for you, I said, would, would you consider maybe going to Bible school? And, and if, if God wants you to be a discipler of men, why not go to a good Bible school and, and really get prepared for going and sharing with others? And he wrote a letter back, and I'm going to share with you what he said. He said, am I suited for full-time ministry? Should I be a missionary? Admittedly, I am uneasy about going down that path for a few reasons. And I appreciated his honesty. He said the number one reason, he said health concerns. Number two, my own creature comforts. Number three, getting married, having kids someday. But bottom line, I want to live comfortably. Bottom line, I want to live comfortably. My friends, I pray for Grace Bible Church. I pray that the thing that's going to be driving you and motivating your life is not creature comforts. And I trust it's not going to be the easiest path. And I pray that as you walk and you're out in the world and you come across people that are dying and going into a Christless eternity, I pray that, that because of busyness, there's not going to be a, a coldness, there's not going to be an apathy, but I pray that you folks are going to be like Sudoma and like Miley and like so many others of our friends in Bisorio and Malamanda land. And I pray that just like them, it, if you're going to be like Peter and John and Sudoma, Miley, and you're going to say, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. I pray that that is going to be the thing that will grip and motivate your life. Please, my friends, be in the Word. The Malomondans don't have it. They want it. They want it. The Besordios do. They consume it. It is at the core and the center of their lives. I pray that this Word of God will grip your hearts, will motivate you to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve Him. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you so much this morning for the privilege of sharing about what you've done over there in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. Lord, I thank you for the faithful man for Namolia who just recently did an outreach for the younger kids down there in Bisorio and, and 60 young men and women placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the Malamondans. Thank you for, for the way that you're working there and for their desire for your word. Lord, I pray for the people here at Grace Bible Church. Lord, I pray that, that in the same way that you're gripping the people over there, that you will grip our lives here that we will be passionate about our relationship with you, passionate about walking with you, passionate about serving you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.